0: Hey, everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super duper excited for this week's show. We have a returning guest. She is the director of 24 short films, an author, an award-winning filmmaker, and has a feature that is going to start production soon, that we're gonna talk about in just a second. Please welcome back to the show, Izzy Lee. Hi, Izzy. Hello.
1: Welcome.
0: I'm so glad to be back, it's
1: been too long.
0: I know, we talked about The Brood last time you were on, but I think that was like five years ago.
1: (laughs) It might've been six or seven. For real? Oh my gosh. For real, yeah, yeah, It's, it's insane, isn't
0: it? Well, a lot has happened since then. You've been very, very busy writing novellas and short stories and directing short films and winning film festivals and now you have uh your first feature uh the kickstarter went up i think just a few days ago as of this recording right Mm -hmm. and was fully funded uh for what you were asking in just over two days but the kickstarter (laughs) is still live and everyone still needs to contribute to House of Ashes, uh, the first feature film from Izzy Lee. I've been saying for years that I can't wait for you to make a feature. It's finally happening. I'm very, very excited.
1: Oh, thanks so much. I mean, yeah, the 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 goal that we we started with um, is crazy low, uh, 20 grand. I wanted to start with 30 grand um, because that's what we actually need um, for bare minimum. But um, everyone's been having such a rough time financially that i figured let's start real low and yeah. let's uh let's blow this thing out of the water actually get the money and then we can climb upwards from there so yeah two and a half days like wow i i'm blown away that we got you know 20k in in that amount of time it's just it's amazing and i'm so grateful and uh yeah much more to go <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's super exciting. It it seems like what I was seeing on social media is that everyone was sort of of the same mindset as me, which is like everyone's super excited for you to be making a feature. Everyone is such a fan of you. You're like yeah. the queen of indie horror and everyone is so excited to support you uh, that I... And, and, and you're right. I mean, you did get, you did set like a low goal. So I'm hoping it keeps building from here, obviously, so you get to at least 30, if not more, so you can make the movie the way you want to make it. But uh, I can't say I was totally surprised when it was funded as fast as it was.
1: That's very kind. Thank you. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people have messaged me saying like, oh, my God, how did you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, the overnight success is an entire decade on the festival <laughs> circuit.
0: Exactly.
1: So there you go. Right. Do the work. It is yeah, not magic, right? I promise, but it, just so much excruciating hard work and a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, I won't say who, but I recently saw uh, an attempt to crowdfund an indie feature. And I want to say the goal was like 200,000 and wow. I think they raised about 10 and I felt terrible, wow. but it's like, that's such a high goal for like maybe a second feature. I just right. felt like you you might be setting yourself up for failure when you set it that high. So uh, I really respect and admire the way you guys are doing it.
1: Well, the goal is to actually get the movie made, you know what I mean? And would I love to have 200 grand? Uh, Hell yeah. But (laughs) the reality is that um, I've been pitching the right way to lots of people for several years, too many years. And uh, people love to talk to me. (laughs) And then I never hear from them again. So um, I, you know, my partner and I, Steve Johansson, we have written a, a contained creepy ghost story um, that is made to be done on a very small budget that we can actually accomplish. That will actually be getting made. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we do have another private backer uh, theoretically on the way at the end of the year, so we'll have a little bit more to add to mm-hmm. what we're raising. And um, yeah, I mean, my entire uh, mantra is get you done. It's, it's why, you know, you were able to list all of these things in your very awesome intro of me, you know, because I thrive on getting things done. Yeah. And it really frustrates me when I can't. Hence, making the feature and asking for money and begging for little crumbs here and there. Mm -hmm. And so whatever, man, I'm just tired. I'm old now. I'm just, you know, I'm done with the fucking waiting. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're doing it. Um, The goal is to film late this year, November or December. Um, We'll push if we have to due to, you know, life getting in the way and all that. But uh, we're on track. Can't wait.
0: I can't wait either. I'm so excited. Um I think I first... (laughs) I think your first short that I saw was at the Bruce Campbell Horror Fest back and when that was Smith, Yeah, that was Smith, Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: back when Sin Apocalypse existed and was called the Bruce Campbell Horror Fest, mm-hmm. and it was Smith, and it was when you sprained your ankle.
1: I did. I twisted it pretty bad going, you know, down the theater to say hello to Barbara Crampton. My bag <laughs> caught on this weird railing. And I was just too excited to see my friend and moving too fast. And it caught and I twisted and I fell. And that was, it was a whole fucking thing. I had to go to this, you know, urgent clinic and all that. And Oh, man. It ended up not being my finest moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited about the movie, though. And it showed me things I had never seen in a movie before. Ooh, let's
1: talk (laughs) about these things, shall we?
0: I mean, it's the money shot. Really. I was just like, well, I've never seen that before. Uh,
1: I like finding these
0: moments. Yeah.
1: You know, I like surprising people because you're not going to get surprised if you go to the, you know, massive cineplex. It's one fucking superhero movie after another. And as someone who has grown to really like not all, but a lot of superhero movies in the last, you know, couple of years, um, I need something different. Yeah. But it's all we get now.
2: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) You know, the entire middle class and working class of of filmmakers are, we're, we're we're wiped out. So yeah, crowdfunding campaigns are the only way we can really exist right now. Unless something Mm -hmm. changes.
0: I'm super bummed that um, Chicago doesn't really have a, an indie horror festival anymore. Um, I agree. I was in talks to try to start one it may still happen but mm-hmm. it was it didn't go as far as I hoped it would go <laughs> so oh,
1: that's a bummer uh, because you would be great at it and it would be awesome i just know it
0: yeah well that's it's nice cuz that's when i get to see you cuz you come to town <laughs> with your latest four shorts that you've made in the last year cuz you're the most <laughs> prolific Horror director out there, and uh, and that's when I get to see a lot of your stuff, and it's awesome.
1: Thanks, man. I I need an excuse to come back to Chicago.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so the new the new movie is going to be a ghost story. So we were talking about well, what movie could we talk about? And you said, <gasps> well, how about a ghost story? And you threw out which title? Crimson Motherfucking Peak. Crimson motherfucking peak, (laughs) which I just rewatched for the first time since the theater. Ooh. And immediately mistakenly put on social media, like this has to be top three del Toro. And then was shot down by
1: a lot of different people saying
0: like, no, it's not. It's one of his worst. Well, fuck you. I love it.
1: I happen to love it too. I have a very, very Gothic heart. And I grew mm-hmm. up on the old lurid Technicolor Hammer films and Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman, It's a Price, you know, AIP picks. And um, it is just so beautifully made. Mm-hmm. I just get lost in that world the production design, the colors, the costumes, the acting. My God. I, I don't understand anyone who hates this movie. i don't
0: i i don't either and i love that you mentioned all those movies up front because that was my immediate reaction when i saw it back in 2015 and it was my reaction again in 2023 was that that's what it reminds me of and that more than most horror movies this is one that i would like to like live in right because it is so beautiful minus all the murder and the ghosts and stuff (laughs) like i don't I don't need to get stabbed unless it's by Jessica Chastain. Um,
1: it's a good way to die.
0: It is not the worst way to die. <laughs> right in the face. Uh, but <laughs> how weird is it, too, that watching the movie, you know, there's like three leads, ostensibly, and one of them has like pseudo retired, right? Mia Wasikowska has like. Has she? I think she's kind of said she's done.
1: Wow, she's so Uh, young still my god
0: i know and tom hiddleston is kind of stuck in marvel world so it's really jessica chastain who's like uh broken out of the movie
1: yeah tom's doing a lot of stuff he did uh the essex serpent for apple he's going to be doing season two of the night manager soon uh season one is on prime still i believe and uh that is a really great slow burn crime spy thriller oh cool uh, which i recommend yeah okay um i i don't know off the top of my head a hundred percent but i think it might have been directed by susan beer who's really good
0: okay uh
1: i have to look this up now because i'm I'm, I'm
0: looking it up too so. <laughs> because obviously i'm ignorant about some of this stuff uh what are you? What are you showing me here? Let's the see. night manager. There it is. I see okay.
1: creators.
0: Oh, Elizabeth Debicki is in it too.
1: Oh yeah, it's a great cast. Wow. Hugh Laurie.
0: I don't see directors. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I know. This is interesting. <laughs> maybe maybe it's per episode instead of the entire season. Okay. Anyway, it's great. And uh, yeah, he continues to do a ton of stuff. Um, He's not just Loki, but by the way, Loki is my favorite fucking Marvel character ever.
0: Um, It does look like Susan Beer directed at least a couple of episodes here uh, in season one that I'm looking at. Possibly all of them, but IMDb is unusable and I can't click through (laughs) all the episodes. Right. Um. I have not watched the Loki show. Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. Is it? Okay. I got so it overwhelmed. The best.
1: It is the best. If you watch one, watch that
0: one. Okay. I got, yeah. I got so overwhelmed. It looks like she directed all of season one. Yeah, there you go. Okay. um, I got so overwhelmed. I, we watched WandaVision and then it, there was like a new show coming out every couple of weeks. And I was like, right. I, I, I kind of checked out. Yeah. Yeah, but that
1: one, it's so fucking great. It's, okay. again, like, very similarly, uh, Tom picks really great projects because he can. Right. Uh, next month, I believe, he'll be filming with Mike Flanagan on a Stephen King adaptation. What?
0: Yes. Exactly. Interesting. Right? I like when Mike Flanagan adapts Stephen <laughs> King.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he seems to have the market cornered. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, he does.
2: <laughs> but um, um,
1: yeah, like so, like *Crimson Peak*. Loki is un fucking believable. Production design, cinematography, storytelling, acting. Um, I watched it during the pandemic, and uh, as I'm coming to know myself better as a human being who has a lot of trauma in their past, like I felt like this fucking show was made for me. So. Please go watch and enjoy, okay. it and get back to me. Like I want to hear what you think. It's fucking awesome. And then a uh, couple of my friends directed a whole lot of season two, so I'm very okay, really cool. excited about
0: that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right. Um. Those yeah, things. that's so great. What What is it that draw? Because I will admit, um, ghost stories are not like necessarily my go to for horror. So what is it that draws you to ghost stories? There are lots of ghost stories I love, but like possession stories and ghost stories for whatever reason are not immediate grabs for me.
1: Sure. That's interesting. I love them because, oh man, let me, let me figure out a way to formulate this, <laughs> this response. Cause there's <laughs> so much to say. Um, I think at, the most general level it's probably because of a lack like a feeling or a sense of a lack of control over your life and then so like unlike a zombie film or a slasher or an apocalypse movie or what have you well, you know whatever heart subgenre i love ghost possession stories because it feels really existential to me and Unfortunately, that has been my wheelhouse since I was a very young child. Um, I've been really, really aware of what memento mori actually means. Um, That we are very, very finite in our time here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can do the best that you can. It will never matter. It is a very cold and unfeeling universe, which now I'm getting into cosmic horror, which to me, they overlap like a nice Venn diagram. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, which is also, you know, a wheelhouse of mine. But should I ever get a, a real budget? Man, I really want to do some fucking cosmic horror. Nice. Yeah, for real. Um, I, I write that as well. Like I've got a, a sci-fi horror film. I'm sorry, not a film, a short story in the haunted reels book anthology that, uh, that could be pretty gnarly if fleshed out to uh, adaptation correctly. But I, I think at its core for me, ghost stories and possession stories are, um, I relate to them in the sense that, again, you know, things aren't always in your control. And then how do you deal with it? You know, mm-hmm. how do you get through that? And really, like, what what is going on around us that we can't actually see? Is there another plane of existence? There's something, I swear to God. I just can't see it. Um, my partner, Steve, has seen ghosts. So I don't know, man. I, I have not but I've also seen a door open for me okay. on its own Sure, in a house where all the windows have been shut and there's no way that door could have floated open by itself. I've experienced, yeah, so we've both experienced some, some weird shit. and uh, there's something whether that's like a a fragment of electromagnetic residue or whatever that we haven't been able to define yet by the confines of science i don't know we might never know it could Mm be something crazy quantum going on okay yeah. Okay.
0: I this is this is not like necessarily Crimson Peak related but I'm right. psychoanalyzing myself <laughs> now and I'm like, well, I know that like part of my fascination with the horror genre has to do with my own fears and anxieties about death and like it's a way of not mastering that fear and anxiety but trying to lessen it by because death is such a part of horror by accepting it as a fact of life and all that. And I wonder if something about the ghost story gives me anxiety that like, that there's more beyond death. Uh, I think partly because I'm trying not to open myself up to that idea. Cause I don't, I don't know if I'm, if i want more after them, <laughs> yeah, <right>? that's, fair. <laughs> that's fair uh life is hard you know and so there's part of me that maybe just isn't open to that idea and so in film and literature i i resisted i don't know i'm i'm thinking of all this on the fly right now as we're talking sure. so
1: yeah it's a lot to take in man it's yeah. a lot to think about yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of
1: love it. It's just such a weird, different space, you know, yeah. but, but again, like going back to my, my Gothic heart, I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. because of those wonderful Corman and Price Poe films, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I just, it, it became horror starting like really, really, really early on all of those films. And then the literature became, um, something that I could cling to while there was mass chaos around me growing hmm. up. You know what I mean? So born and bred, here we are. Imprinted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like, I, you know, there has been um, a number of sort of Gothic horror films in the last 10 to 15 years of uh, films that sort of maybe feel like, a hammer but i crimson peak i think outdoes all of them in that department i really do think it's the
1: it is guillermo fucking del toro man true
0: yeah my heroes yeah Yeah.
1: i mean he does it right if anyone's gonna do it right it's gonna be him yeah where are you
0: where are you at with del toro like in terms of your favorites of his movies
1: oh man i i've been a friend since chronos okay uh, his his first, you know, mm-hmm. Ron Perlman, it, unbelievable. Like, right out of the gate, Del Toro was incredible. Yeah. I love The Devil's Backbone very much. Yeah. Penn's Labyrinth. Yeah. My, my God, like his Spanish language films are just unfucking believable And he continues to wow here in America and Canada, of course. And I just, I don't think he will ever make a movie that I don't like. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Crimson Peak. It doesn't matter if it's all of the films that I just listed. I just... Nightmare Alley, I think people also really um, malign for, for like, whatever fucking reason. Like, <laughs> it's wonderful. Like, he knows how to set a mood and a tone. And he has, you know, he's got the... Uh, crew in the budget to do so he picks his crew very very well yeah um he is just an ultimate uh artisan at the helm and uh i've met him a couple of times and he it's exactly like what you see is what you get with him yeah you know every every interview is just that's exactly who he is and um yeah even that tv show curious cabinet of curiosities is is great
0: which mm-hmm. I need to watch. I didn't I didn't see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as as with everything, some episodes are gonna be, you know, better than others and right. every there's different stories being adapted, there's different directors, so there's different styles. Right. You know, it's just like what what do you uh favor as your viewing experience? Mm-hmm. So I think as in every every art form uh what you take away from it it's it's going to be your own personal experience sure that's what art is
0: right right i kind of
1: think i love crimson peak so too bad
0: i do love crimson peak as well <laughs> i'm so glad uh, you do and i kind of think nightmare alley which i need to see again um is going to be one of those movies that like in 10 years people think people come around on that they slept on. I I think most genre directors, at least the ones that I grew up with had, you know, their, their uh, accepted classics. And then they had these other movies that were much more maligned. And with time, whether it's John Carpenter with, you know, Prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness. And like Mm -hmm. at the time people weren't super high on those movies. And then over the years, they're like, Oh wait, those are also fucking awesome
1: even the thing got shit on when it came out at the box yeah, office exactly. I was up against et for right. <laughs> of all things
0: right and so i do think that you know horror and genre stuff more than most uh has staying power and that people revisit the movies with, with time and and i think a lot of these filmmakers are just working a little bit ahead of their audiences not to discredit the audience but like i know that things that carpenter and cronenberg and wes craven were doing in the 80s and 90s people weren't ready for yet
1: no man you know uh the the best artists among us are pioneers right and innovators and and bellwethers you know i mean that's just how it goes and just because you know, the audience as a whole, you know, speaking in, in terms of general populace, if they're not ready, they will be. Right. At some other point in time.
2: Right. Right. Which is a
1: bummer for the artists, but, you know, whatever. Here we are. <laughs> Nothing you can really do about that.
0: So, are we going to be the ones who start the critical reassessment of Crimson Peak? I guess let's that's do my it, question. Friend. All right. Let's be yeah. the ones do it. <laughs> um, I really like I remember at the when I first saw it in I guess twenty fifteen, the mm-hmm. the ghost actor is Javier Botet, right? I think. Doug Jones. Is it Doug Jones? What the yeah. fuck was I thinking? I'm sorry. Um, no, but
1: that's a good choice. I mean that he's he's quite good.
0: Yeah, I Isn't I, I that don't the know guy why I confuse those two. Yeah, uh that sounds right. It of course it's Doug Jones. It's it's del toro like he has (laughs) that relationship with doug jones um and i remember at the time feeling like there were maybe too many cg embellishments and that i was wanting it to be more of like a straightforward practical effect and watching it this time that did not bother me
1: right i really
0: liked all the ghost stuff
1: yeah man it's funny how films hit you differently at different points in your life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know for real Um, I, I don't, besides the others, which I believe was 2000, I don't know if there was another really fucking well done ghost story with a mix of practical and CG Mm -hmm. that has worked so well in the last 20 plus years.
0: Mm -hmm. Are you a fan uh, and if you're not it's totally okay but were you a fan of uh ty west's the innkeepers
1: you know i remember it's been a really long time since i've seen it i remember loving the mood and the atmosphere and i don't remember much else about it okay So I can't really answer that definitively because it has been so long since I've seen it. I might have even seen it again at Fantastic Fest when it came out, which I don't even know what year that was. I would say like.
0: Probably 2011. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around there. I just, that's one of the few like non period ghost stories that I really responded to because Mm -hmm. I loved the idea that like the ghosts in that were a metaphor for like being stuck at this place in your life and at this job that you don't like and not knowing what you want to do with your future and like uh that that Sarah Paxton even before anything happens to her, she's essentially haunting this hotel just as a human.
1: Yeah, because it's the off season and no one's right, there, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you no, know, it's funny because uh I, I love using horror as metaphors mm-hmm. it's just a, it's like peanut butter and chocolate to me it's just, that's just <laughs> perfect thing and funny that you mentioned that because rewatching watching this wonderful film last night uh mia Wasikowska's character said i she said ghosts the ghosts are a metaphor when she was pitching her manuscripts to a publisher mm-hmm. that you know uh sort of wrote her off because she wasn't a man. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Metaphors, beautiful.
0: <laughs> and horror does that, I think, better than any other genre, you know, sure uh, to the point where now I almost I sometimes and this is probably the wrong attitude to take. But like I saw a horror movie recently that I thought was really well made. I really liked it. But when it was over, I was like, oh, but it's not actually about anything. And then I felt like I shouldn't like it as much as I do because the great horror movies are actually about something deeper and say something about, you know, the human condition. And this one didn't, but I still like it. I'm not going to shit on it. But, uh, yeah, the really great ones, you know, really illuminate something about ourselves and the world we live in. Uh, And not always, you know, with positive things to say because there aren't necessarily always positive things to say about the world we live in.
1: Definitely not these days. (laughs) No. Not in this country.
0: (laughs) No. God, I just, uh, last night, Erica and I watched a documentary called Bad Acts about this uh, Cambodian, they're like Cambodian Mexican family living in Michigan, trying to run their family restaurant during COVID and Trump.
1: Oh, God. Those poor people.
0: Yeah. It was so fucked up to like, revisit recent history and be like, how did we get through this? And I don't have an answer. I, we just waited it out, I guess. I don't know.
1: It's the passage of time only. Yeah. Uh, When, when he started running in 2016, I knew immediately what was going to happen and none of it was going to be fucking good except for, if you're a horrible human being, then it's great for you. That's his audience. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, here we are, and uh, a lot of us have not escaped this tumultuous neo-Nazi period unscathed. Right, right. Especially with the pandemic, man. Like I don't right. know about you, but it was quite a challenge to get through. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and continues to be. You know, it's like COVID's on the rise again he's running again. It's like, oh, none of this God stuff really, none of it really went away. It's yeah. just like, it's just different. It's just different. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But you know, uh, as they, as uh, John Goodman says in matinee, what a great time to open a horror movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, you'll always find, uh, you know, in any culture at any time, during uh the advent of cinema you will find in cultural times of unrest uh particularly under pseudo-fascist governments you will find all of the horror Mm -hmm. all of it because Mm -hmm. that's how we process things right that's how we process things without going to jail that's what i like to say (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) for real I,
0: i remember um uh, maybe I was like a freshman in high school and I read David Scull's The Monster Show for the first time. And it was like the first book about of like horror sort of cultural history and criticism that I'd ever read and having my mind just blown that like, oh, that's what these movies are all really about, you know, that yeah, he's constantly referring back to. Here's what was going on in society. Here's the horror movies that were coming out. You know, you make the connection. And having my (laughs) mind blown, and just yesterday I was teaching a class about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and talking about how it's completely about, you know, German fascism and how to get away with expressing what it's like to live under that regime without going to jail, as you just said. And so you make Mm -hmm. a movie about it that they can't prosecute you for.
1: Right. And in other cultures, you know, they, they have thrown artists in jail or executed them. Um, and continue to do so, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in the world. Right, it is frightening just to express yourself, just exist as an artist. I mean, just look at the fucking internet. Yeah, <laughs> even yeah. the comments you got
0: over right. our choice of film today, like <laughs> for saying cares, I liked Crimson away. Peak. Exactly, go live
1: your life, guy.
0: No one asked you what you thought no. of it. You know, uh
1: it's just a movie. Everyone.
0: How do you approach? Um, the stories that you tell in terms of like how much of yourself you're willing to put in them?
1: Oh man, that is a question and a half capital Q. (laughs) I can only answer it in the way that the kind of art that I'm going to make is going to come from me only. Mm -hmm. The kind of art that you would make would be from your circumstances, your experiences, your life only. Everyone has their different flavors. Everyone has their different, um, what's the word? I don't want to use experience again, but everyone's had their own, I don't know, universes that they've been the main character of for their entire lives. And that there's no way that you can remove that from your art as hard as you try (laughs) there is no way like even if you were say like making the most misogynistic base slasher in the 80s or whatever it's probably a reflection of who you are
2: Hmm.
1: yeah yeah maybe it is maybe it isn't like but that's what i feel to be true Right, Like the films that I have seen my friends direct, that is who they are. That reflects them. You know, I can't know somebody. No one can really know other people 100%. It's just not possible unless you're part of their brain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, everyone has a different perception of who you are. Some people may think, I am rad. Some people may think I'm an uppity bitch. Some people may think I'm fucking difficult, which I've gotten or abrasive or whatever for daring to be direct and having an opinion in a world run by patriarchal forces. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's up to the individual. You know, mm-hmm. what do you put out there? I happen to have uh, i swing back and forth between a social political horror thriller and sci-fi worlds and then the darkness gets to be a lot and then so how do i express my frustrations in a different sense i turn to what i call absurd nihilism where i have a dark black comedy but there's also like some horrific truth in there under the surface you know do you recognize the subtext under the comedy
2: Mm -hmm. it's there Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it's not even that subtle, um, but it's there, Yeah. You know, yeah. um, when I make comedies, the, the, the horror festival programmers, they, they, some, they don't know what to do with me sometimes. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they love it. If it's a festival, that's more like weird cult, fantastic, right? you know, uh, a whole umbrella of wonderful terrors and flavors.
0: <laughs> um, I, I I keep meaning to go back to Crimson Peak, and then I keep going down these other tangents. And I apologize, I but I'm just—we can
1: do both. It can be organic.
0: All right, I like it. I like it. Um, I uh, all right. I'm gonna say something controversial, and you might push back on it. And I <laughs> uh, you are certainly within your rights to do so. I have a little bit of a Charlie Hunnam allergy. I recognize that he is a very handsome man That's and is fair. great in the right roles. And in Crimson Peak, I think he's like—I
1: don't think it's the right role for him.
0: I don't think it's totally the right role for him. I, yeah. I think
1: he's—he's actually—I mean, he's—he's he's wonderful, but I think he is the weakest point in the movie. Yeah, that character, that actor—I don't think it works. That is—that is the—the that is the one point for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah that that sort of brings it down he's but you know at the same time heroes are fucking boring
0: yeah i I mean mean, when you go back to those uh hammer films or even the original like universal monster movies Mm -hmm. the hero of dracula you know jonathan harker is at least in the movie it's boring you know like
1: by the way speaking of gothic horror yes Coppola's Dracula, man. Oh, yeah. Holy shit.
0: That's a good one.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> See, this is this is the same, you know, subgenre for me. It's Crimson Peak. It's Francis Ford, you know, if you want to be technical about it. Bram Stoker's Dracula, right. directed by Coppola. in right. um, it's the Hammer films and it's the uh, the Poe Corman films. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's all the same space for me. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, my God. By the way, uh, anybody who's listening to this, uh, La Femme en Noir has a Coppola Dracula clothing line out right now. And they have dresses inspired by these beautiful crimson robes. And it, in fact, they even have like the orange red Lucy dress. Oh, nice! It is unbelievable. I had to order the um, (laughs) the ruby red satin um, dress with the gold embroidery of the Dracul, the dragon, um, on both sides. It is unbelievable. (laughs) I hope it fits. We'll see.
0: (laughs) That (laughs) movie, unbelievable. That movie is directed by a man possessed. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's what's so exciting about it. And I know, like. Uh, it was, was it Roman Coppola who did all of the effects? Like I think so. Yeah. All the opticals and it's all practical. It's just. Yeah. Unreal. You know, yeah.
1: they use that old 1920s uh, paper cut silhouette mm-hmm. fighting, you know, uh, it just, it it is lovely how they, they made that movie. My God, yeah. I love that one so much. Yeah.
0: It's wild. It's um but even in that movie, and, and people can again argue that he's miscast Keanu Reeves like one of the weaker links of the movie sure. because Jonathan Harker is kind of a dullard, you know. Um
1: Calfax Ebe
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's grown young.
1: He's grown young. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. even
0: back in the Todd Browning one, I can't remember that David Manners, maybe playing Jonathan Harker, mm-hmm. he's just like not the most exciting part because you want to see Dracula, you want to see Van Helsing, right. you want to see these larger than life characters. And so yeah. Charlie Hunnam certainly has a little bit of an uphill battle because he's got Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain. Who are so compelling? They're as these. unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. And so he's got to come in and be kind of white bread, and right. <laughs> it's not necessarily his his wheelhouse, but as you said, the character itself isn't going to be the most dynamic or exciting character in the movie. It can't be yeah. just by design, right?
1: He's he's there to help, and um, you know. It, Guillermo himself would say that, and he has, that this is a gothic romance and not a horror film. Mm -hmm. And so what he means by that is he goes by a long line of of books and films that there's a heroine who's in trouble. She's not believed. She's brushed aside because that's what we do to women in this fucking culture. Um, She will always fall in love with a dark brooding gentleman of a highborn manner whether or not, you know, that person still has the the funds of old, the old money or not. There's always a dark secret. They will always be running away from this house either in flames or otherwise. You know, it, it, it is the tropes are all there. Mm-hmm. And it is it is it is so fun to see. Um we were at a secret screening in Fantastic Fest twenty fifteen when Guillermo showed up. And Crimson Peak was the movie. And we got uh, a little poster and uh, two pint glasses. And the little poster is still here on my wall. And she's running away from the house, looking back like these classical pulp novels with candlesticks. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the movie, but that's that's exactly the flavor. Right. And it's, oh man, I love it so much.
0: I, uh, we just watched this documentary about 90s erotic thrillers and
1: is it i kill for love yeah i haven't seen that yet but it sounds fun
0: i it wasn't the movie that i was hoping for when i press play in terms of like which isn't a knock against the movie but it's much more about like the 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 like made for hbo kind of like oh like not, a max thing yeah not yeah. so much like basic instinct and body of evidence and like the stuff i'm familiar with it was like a lot of movies i'd never heard of
1: oh okay
0: one of the arguments that they make which is kind of the most interesting point in the documentary is that even these skinemax erotic thrillers are rooted in like gothic fiction and feature all those tropes that you're just talking about and i was like wow i never thought about that but they really are and i kind of wish they had gone further with it and they lose sight of it and move on to something else. But I thought it was a really cool observation.
1: Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, I, I can totally see that and it's something that I have previously never thought about as well, but yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Basically, at the heart of all of these stories is just a really bad romance that you have to survive somehow, right? You have to fight back. You have to run away. You have to be rescued. Or You Rescue Yourself, which in Del Toro films, I, I really appreciate that he has really strong lead women characters. It's mm-hmm. just wonderful. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, both Mia Wasikowska and Jessica Chastain in this are very strong in their own ways and, you know, independent in their own ways. You, one could make the case that Jessica Chastain is sort of codependent with her brother, but...
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but they represent sort of these two sides of a coin. And I think it's really a kind of an interesting dynamic between the two of them. And yeah, if you were to transplant the plot of this movie to like 1995 Los Angeles, <laughs> I guess it would like show up on HBO or Cinemax, you know, given some of the more sorted stuff. Um, not that the movie is ever sorted, but you could definitely push some of that and it would be a very different film. And then it would fall under this category of that. Mm-hmm. This documentary was talking about. Um,
1: Even flowers in the attic. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right. They're trapped in the attic. Right. The brother and sister become incestuous because right. they have nobody else in the fucking world because they are imprisoned by their family, which is right. just fucking unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think. I know this isn't the case, but I love to believe that this is the case that Guillermo del Toro started with that image of the snow turning red Mm -hmm. and like worked backwards from there because it is of a movie in a movie filled with like striking and incredible imagery. I think that one is my favorite. Just when we get to that climax in the snow and every time they step down, it turns red underneath them. It's so fucking cool.
1: It is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It's 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 beautiful to look at for one, but it's absolutely a metaphor of love
0: right. killing and gone right.
1: bad and hurting and all sorts of things. And yeah, we, we start off with this beautiful image of she's actually seeing him at the finale of the film as a ghost and pulling her you know, her hand back and looking at the blood in her hand. And it, it you know, it's, it, it bookmarks the mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning and the end. Right. And uh, it is just so, so gorgeous. And I have uh, a, a book in the other room, <clears throat> this limited edition hardcover, and it's all about the art and production design going to this film. And Guillermo has written like backstories for all of these characters and it's just Oh my god! I learned so much just from reading this book on making yeah. and how to get in the themes and motifs and think about storytelling in visual ways, and it's really, really exciting. You know, you'll notice that <clears throat> all of the ghosts in the films are color coded too, um, which I don't know offhand if they go into this in the book. There is definitely some stuff on the ghosts there, but rewatching it every time I watch this movie, I see something new, you know, and this is probably like the fourth time I've seen this film. Um, Mia's character, uh, her mom died from, what was it like a black cholera? Mm -hmm. The ghost is black and it's fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. The Crimson Peak ghosts, they're red because of that red clay in the Mm -hmm. ground. Mm -hmm. They are fucking terrifying. (laughs) And all of these sequences where you're seeing a ghost, particularly in the beginning, at the end of Long Hallways, and when she first arrives to Allerdale Hall, the Long Hallway bathtub. Oh, my God, the way that it is shot, it induces a real sense of terror. And be warned, if you watch this film on edibles, <laughs> it will fuck you up. That is what I did last time, not last night, but the last time I watched this film like six months ago. It is frightening as hell. I, I want to recommend it, but also no. It's like, <laughs> sorry, and you're welcome, because it is so terrifying, and the rest of it is so beautiful, but it's intense, man. It will really get to you if you're right. in a heightened state.
0: This is good to know. This is important <laughs> information that you're imparting.
1: Uh, for real. <laughs> <laughs> the man knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> um, so what... Just to pivot for one second, what about, not that Crimson Peak would be a direct influence, but like, what about ghosts um, is it that you hope to bring to something like House of Ashes?
1: Sure. So um, to, to give a preface to your audience super quick. Uh, house of Ashes is the story of Mia, a grieving widow, who is put under house arrest for a crime of having a fucking miscarriage, which you know, in the last several years in this country, uh, is is a terrifying place to be for a lot of, you know, segments of humanity, mm-hmm. especially women
2: mm-hmm.
1: and people of color. Um, and Mia's new boyfriend, who is an old high school friend, they've reconnected. Uh, He moves in to help and assist her and ultimately control her. And shortly after he moves in, things start to go missing around the house. And uh, there might be an intruder. Something flew across the room. You know, like, uh, weird things start to happen and tensions racket up. And the thing is like she's, she can't leave. There's no way she can leave. The cops aren't going to believe her. They're going to put her in jail and a much heavier sentence if she tries. So Mm -hmm. the metaphor here is about being trapped Mm -hmm. and having no control and no escape available to you. And, um, I think that is a universal fear, no matter what gender you are, what culture you live in, but Mm -hmm. particularly for women, it is, uh, it is hard to escape a bad romance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, we don't live in a, a system designed to help us at all. We, we have a system that works exactly as intended, mm-hmm. which is to keep us in our place. If you really think about it. And I know all the women listening, you know, for the most part, I know that they understand what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fucked up that like I'm sure that there are men who have been in situations out of their control and mm-hmm. or, or or have been trapped by something absolutely, or,
1: especially as a child.
0: Right. Um, or who are who who at least possess the empathy to understand what that might feel like.
1: Right.
0: But I do think there are so many who would just be like, Well, why just leave? Like, that's what I would do. It's like, well, because you're able to do that, because society allows you that kind of movement you know and that kind of freedom
1: right
0: uh that's not the case for everybody it is not Mm.
1: (laughs) and if any any of you have have grown up in environments full of chaos no matter what gender you are you will also know that feeling very well
0: right yep yeah it's it's only again, not to get like too weirdly personal, but it's only been in recent years that I've like sort of tuned into the the chaos of my upbringing because it was all quiet and under the surface.
1: Sure, exactly. It was
0: it was a house of passive aggression, you know, <laughs> and so yes, it was a different kind of chaos, but but one in which I felt trapped because yeah. I didn't, you know, I had to become a people pleaser or whatever because of the way yeah. I was growing up. Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, and, you know, you're trained. It's a survival mechanism to acquire hypervigilance, to feel when the emotional temperature in the room drops. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely a survival technique that uh, unfortunately some of us as, as kids have had to develop. Mm hmm. And um, it is it is a lot to think about, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's there, you know, and a lot of us who create horror in any way, shape or form. That's the kind of environment that we come from, having no control and having um, some some pretty weird adverse experiences and some chaos. You know, it's uh, it's a lot to get through. Mm hmm. And uh, I also have to say that anyone who does make horror across the board are the kindest, sweetest, most direct, honest, fucking amazing people you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. Because we've all been through it.
0: Yeah, that has been my experience with the people that I've met that work in the genre or the people like yourself that I've been privileged enough to talk to. Like, they're not... um, they are the the most sort of open-minded and empathetic and wise and because they've been through this shit and and i fi- again i don't want to i don't want to bag on like trolls on social media but i just know that like there is a i think when people respond very negatively or harshly to a horror film or or even if it's just to fucking star wars or whatever like it's it a lot of times is coming from a lack of empathy and inability to put themselves into the shoes of another person um and so they reject that story or reject that anybody could need that story or tell that story um it's like well that's not what i like so why does anyone like it (laughs) yeah right uh it can be very frustrating as fans of this thing you know that uh and and i'm sure you as a creator have had to deal with way more of it than i have because i just occasionally put out an opinion and get shit on for it but when you're actually putting art out into the world um it's it's Dangerous, it can be terrifying you know? yeah, and dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, it's it's definitely dangerous if you're a fucking woman or, sure. or a person of color who's not the status quo. Um, you know, I've I've had comments on some of my films on say so I have two shorts on Alter on the YouTube people can be really fucking nasty. Um and they will say anything and they will say things that would never say to your face because right. they're cowards. Right um uh, they will say things like everyone involved with this film should walk into traffic cool thanks bro yeah yeah what a fucking winner you are you know <laughs> because and you watch something movies you for didn't... those people right because they have right. no they're, they're the lowest common denominator among us man
0: so often i've seen people back down immediately when they get called out by someone like even if it's just a negative comment
1: (laughs) shame works yeah
0: and i've replied you know or whatever it's like oh yeah sorry i was having a bad day and i didn't mean to put that out it's like oh there's a person on the other well right but like as soon as they realize there's an actual human being on the other side of it it's like they rethink being so shitty but not (laughs) everybody does that and i think unfortunately that kind of toxic behavior has just been uh people have been emboldened by the last seven Mm -hmm. years uh, to be more and more toxic because there's a lot of people that will high five them for it.
1: Yes. Well, when, when toxic uh, is at the forefront and no longer shamed Mm -hmm. publicly or by society, all of the assholes come out and they are emboldened Mm -hmm. and they are louder, even though they are the fucking majority. Right. And they should never be considered, uh, you know, for their opinions. More frankly anything else
2: <laughs> why, why,
1: what 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 did they add for what did they add right like, nothing right nothing but awfulness like stop
0: just fucking and stop. and and really their hardship you know in the situation that we're talking about was that they watched a 10 minute short film on youtube that they didn't <laughs> their hardship to, that they didn't connect to you know <laughs> like this was the so worst what? thing that happened to them that day
1: the worst and you know what it's super easy to just move the fuck on and say exactly. not thing. Right. It's the easiest thing you can do is just
0: move on no one made no one you watch you. it right exactly no. like i just i want people to think about that when like even if it's you know uh everybody gets mad about like the last jedi or something like yeah whatever Right. Like if that's the worst thing that happened to you is you watched a Star Wars movie that you didn't You have like, a pretty good life. Think about your life. Yes, exactly. And by the
1: way, good luck trying to make a Star Wars fucking movie. Oh, well. Good luck, you These
0: people wouldn't Good luck so. making any
1: art cuz right, they're, exactly. they're not capable. They're not. No. They're they're simply not. Yeah. Um, you know, those type of people are the equivalent of um I would say a fossil or a rock.
0: yeah but fossils have some significance
1: that's true never
0: mind (laughs) they suggest that life was there once
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man
0: um i got way off of crimson peak again well let's go back let's Um, go back to
1: how beautiful and luscious it is
0: yeah it really is you know and and that's not necessarily a surprise because del Toro is kind of incapable of making a movie that isn't amazing to look at. I say this, having not seen his Pinocchio, I feel like a bad person because I just got caught up last year in all the other award season movies and never got around to Pinocchio.
1: It might make you cry.
0: Yeah, probably. It's great. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it's definitely a kid's film, but it is, you know, again, the level of craft oh my god unbelievable
0: yeah it's
1: beautiful yeah
0: and i love that he is doing all kinds of different stuff he's not you know he makes crimson peak but he's not just the gothic romance guy and he makes pacific rim but he's not just the giant monster guy um there are certainly commonalities amongst all his films but you can't really pigeonhole him into doing just one thing. Right. Which obviously I'm sure as an artist is something that you that speaks to you because you kind of you do the same thing. Your shorts are kind of I'll say all over the place, but I mean it in the best way. In Different terms tones, new like, exactly. genres. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I,
1: I have a, I like a variety, and I yeah. think if you don't reinvent yourself, you are risking um, the opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can grow if you don't branch out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can certainly get better technically, you know, but doing the same thing over and over, like, how could you stand it?
0: Do you feel that there's pressure from an audience? Like when they really like something and latch onto something, there can be pressure to, like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, let me do more of that. Or maybe that's what you can get financing for. Or mm-hmm. I think the business wants to pigeonhole artists a little bit Always. into doing something.
1: Okay. Always. Yeah. It, it's because Hollywood is very lazy. um and they love to put labels on people and they don't have i mean a lot of executives are really they're 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 awesome they're like they are creative in their intellect and they want like the rest of us good stories original stories the problem is the people at the very very top are not creatives they are wall street people right everything is about getting every single red sun. Everything is about, uh, unprecedented growth at the risk of everything else. And this is why we have several unions and two unions on strike right now. Right. Um, I wish the TGA would have also followed suit, but you know, here we are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's just another roadblock in the life of a creative, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, after doing a lot of social political horror when I made my monster, people didn't know what the fuck to do with me. You know, some people told me, Oh, that's cute. Oh, I guess you didn't get the subtext. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> fine. It's not for you. I right, get it. Right. Um, and then, so my most successful short ever uh, is a very recent one that is now on Screenbox as part of Bloody Bites. It's Meat Friend. <laughs> and, uh, I've been blown away by the sure. response to that because yeah. that is one of my absurdist nihilism things Right. where it is a sentient pile of talking hamburger meat <laughs> who's also an ex-con who happens to, you know, just because give after-school special lessons to children in a very wrong way or a particular child. And um, it's, it's resonated with a lot of people. So I have to make it clear that this feature is not comedic. It is not... right funny there will be some very black tiny moments of uh some some hysterical things here and there but like for the most part those are just moments to release the tension before we bring it back up again like a roller coaster we got ups and downs and peaks and valleys just like life highs and lows right, right and um yeah so house of ashes will be a you drop dead serious supernatural thriller with mm-hmm. some surreal moments and a little bit of funny things in there too here and there but i'm sure
0: myself myself like a lot of people were hoping for a meet friend cameo in house of ashes (laughs) not gonna happen but no i know Um, but (laughs) uh it is one of the rewards on kickstarter that you can get a a meet friend message
1: yes (laughs) yes and it's because i know my audience yeah exactly and they they do love it and (laughs) um i don't know if i'll be able to do this but ideally After making this, I will do a comedy. Oh, cool. So uh, there may be a a meet friend appearance in that one if we get to do it.
0: Okay. Very cool.
1: Yeah. 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 Because like, again, I, I get, I get a little trapped in this headspace, and it's difficult to get out of. And then, so I need to bring some light into my darkness, Mm -hmm. you know, I need that to survive. Mm -hmm. So Hopefully we'll be doing a comedy after, but, uh, you know, ag- again, like me friend, it'll be dark, darkly sure. hilarious. Right. Um, right. and, uh, I think it would be super fun not to be pigeonholed,
0: but I'm a woman,
1: <laughs> so that may not happen. We'll see.
0: You can only do the one thing. I'm sorry.
1: I know. <laughs> do
0: it. you think that like crowdfunding, like you're doing for house of ashes, Is this where the future of like indie horror is going?
1: It has to be. Unfortunately, for where we are right now, I don't see it getting better for anybody. But again, straight white dudes. And I hate to say it out loud. I fucking hate it so much. I want it to be a real meritocracy, a real democracy. It is Mm -hmm. not. The older I get, the more I see of all of the dudes around me getting hired. Yeah, All of them. And the woman around me, they are excellent. They have to be. Right. They have to be fucking brilliant. And the opportunities that we get are very few and far between. It doesn't fucking yeah. matter. Yeah. It is a very sad reality. And um yeah, I don't know. Would I love to do all the things? Yes. Will I get the opportunity? Probably not. I would love to be surprised. Sure. So any producers, investors, whatever are please come at me. Yes. Like if you like my if you like my kind of work, if you want to fucking get stories from other perspectives, if you want awesome quality horror, you want, you know, an an, an uppity, difficult woman. Who just <laughs> basically all that means is that I have opinions as a director should.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um. At, you also have to love *Crimson Peak*. If, if you want to work with Izzy, you have to love Crimson Peak. Goddamn. Not
1: it. necessarily, but just <laughs> just don't be horrible about it. <laughs> right.
0: That would be nice, right? If people could just yeah. ignore opinions they don't agree with, and or just say that wasn't for world, me. Guys. It's so easy to just. It's say. It's so
1: easy to just move on and not say. Yeah. A
0: thing. Not for me. On to the next. You know. <laughs> rather than yeah,
1: yeah, the novella I just finished writing is also very dark. Okay uh also a ghost story yay yes and yes, that comes yes. out
0: in early 2024 yes it
1: does february 13th right before valentine's day very because nice. um i don't know what it is lately but a ghost story bad romance searching one you know for oneself there's also a bit of a hollywood true crime in there okay um and there is a little possession there is a lot of vengeance but um It got, you know, really, really oppressive and and dark to be in that headspace for a really long time. I started writing it in October. My publisher read and accepted it this winter. And then I went forth and did um, edits and I added another 20,000 words. So I have just recently uh, turned that in and it's just, I'm really glad to be, away from it now okay you know and sure. finally I've finally met my cover artist and uh yeah it's just so difficult to be in that headspace for that long in fact bringing it back to Crimson Peak yes uh, I I remember Jessica Chastain speaking to Tom Hiddleston who had been Loki twice at that point for Thor and the Avengers films and she was also in a really dark headspace because that is a fucked up character yeah. that villain yeah and she said to him I thought playing villains was supposed to be fun. I'm I'm having a really bad time. Like, I love the work that I'm doing, but it's really difficult. And he said, you're only going to have fun if your villain is having fun. Right. In the script. Right. Otherwise, you're in a, yeah, of course you're in a dark space.
0: Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's. Nothing lighthearted about the character that she's playing in this movie. No. You know?
1: it, and in fact, you know, it, it it happens to creatives quite a bit. Uh, famous example, Ray finds his, his his villain Nazi character in Spielberg's film. It's just like he got divorced <laughs> after that wow. movie. Wow. Because he could not get out of that character's headspace. And that had to have been you know, unbelievable to deal with at home. Sure. You know? So if you could find the way out, you have to, it's yeah. essential again. So this is why I had to switch to these darkly comedic things. Sure. You know?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but where, could people find the Kickstarter link? I'll post a link to it with the show, but do you want to announce where people can find the Kickstarter and where they can find more of your stuff online?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've got uh, two short films on altar, which are my monster, which is a romantic sci-fi horror comedy.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. I love it.
1: Oh, thanks man. And uh, rights of vengeance, which is a social political thriller that we filmed mm-hmm. in a chapel in Massachusetts about very bad priests and the nuns that take him out death wish style and also it's amazing. not yeah. thank you it is a thriller and it's dead serious and it's not a exploitation film um and again meet friend is on bloody bites via screen box uh rehome may still be on shutter and or Tubi or voodoo as part of etheria collection season six
2: okay
1: and that stars Gigi Sal cell casey Lansdale, Morgan peter Brown. Uh my website is com, which is Latin because I'm a weirdo. Uh <laughs> and N I H I L N O C T E M dot com. And there's a link to the Kickstarter on that page. Okay. And uh yeah. There you go.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking. Not just Crimson Peak, but all kinds of stuff with me because I know I was all over the place. So I apologize, but it was awesome getting to talk with you.
1: It's the best, man. It's been too long.
0: Yes, it has. It's Um, been so fun. Yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to FS Movie.